0: to plastic cups inside of paper cups inside of plastic cups i'm dennis wilson and this is omar rabadi hey omar how's it going
1: pretty good pretty good today's october 15th, 2020 kind of feels like a significant date like i don't know 15th of the month it's right in the middle of the month or at least really really close to the middle October seems like when it starts to get dark. Mm. It has started uh, to get dark,
0: and I don't like it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And... uh... Uh, Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead.
0: Well, yeah, it's, it's October 15th, and when was the last time we recorded a full episode? Was it in September? It's been a while. I think we've been slacking.
1: Yeah, I think it's been thirty days, maybe a little bit longer. It's been a while. I don't, I don't know why. Uh, it, it was the summer. There's a lot going on in the world. Those are probably just excuses, but it, we're not running out of steam, are we? I don't know. I think that there might be a little bit of that. Where I feel like the longer we do this, maybe it takes a little bit more energy to come up with a new idea for a topic? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I think, that I, I I don't know what I've been busy with, but I feel
0: like I've been busy. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know. I feel like I don't get anything done, but I feel like I'm really busy. Um, so, you know, I'll take some responsibility on that. Um, I, I'm not running out of steam. I just, you know, think that, you know, we'll have, you know, the summer's behind us won't be traveling as much, you know, you know, but um yeah, I'm not running out of steam.
1: Yeah. I think, I think, I, I think I'm recharged. I think now that it's getting darker out last night, I, some new ideas came to me. I think the podcast is sort of going to be reborn in a way, you know, some sometimes fans, they have years and years between albums just to get recharged. We, Re, you know, it took a month to get recharged, but I think, Our batteries are back to full. Yeah, I totally agree. And yeah, like, you know, when the weather
0: starts changing, the temperature starts changing, it starts getting dark earlier, you know, you listen to different music, the whole mindset shifts. So we're we're entering the optimal phase of the podcast. Um, So I'm excited. Uh, Me too. Should we uh, check out the the, the, the mail bag a little bit?
1: Yes, that sounds fun.
0: All right. So, first um mailbag question is about homophones. So, what is the better homophone? So, a homophone being
1: uh two words that that, that are that sound they sound the same but they're spelled differently. Right. Right. So, profit
0: or profit? Uh which is better and why? And I guess I should probably you know, because you, you're not reading it, uh, explain that. So profit as in like Jesus Christ, the profit, or profit like money um, and uh, the difference between uh, revenue and costs being profit, which is better and why? So I'm going to kick this over to you first. Which Which is better?
1: So I'm going to lay out just a few benefits of both and negatives. So profits can be good, as in it gives people meaning, gives them community. It can also be bad, it could lead to conflict, it could lead to uh, people literally and figuratively drinking the Kool-Aid. Now profit, P-R-O-F-I-T, definitely can be good if you're a business owner. I mean, the world does need people to profit, so businesses, can survive and keep on going. Uh, Some people might say profit oftentimes leads to exploitation. So, I don't know. There's a lot going on there. If I had to choose one, I would say profit, P-R-O-P-H-E-T is better just because I think people need spiritual connections and purpose more than they need actual more than actual profits not actual profits financial profits or business profits are needed
0: okay okay what about you what do you think i think i'm gonna go the other route i think i'm gonna go the route that uh anybody who claims to be a profit know what the future is gonna hold is probably full of shit and they're probably trying to like Grift you out of something because they think they have some sort of knowledge about the future that you don't. Um, so I don't believe in profits. Um, I believe in like, you know, scientific uh, you know, predictions, perhaps, but definitely not profits. And profit, you know, if we take profit, the the P-R-O-I-F-T version. Um, yeah, I, I guess, you know, there's a lot of greed involved with making a profit, but um. I, there's a broader, you know, sense of the term of just you can, you know, we can all profit from, uh, you know, uh, our hard work and and diligence and this activity. Um, you know, we can all profit from treating a, our, each other with kindness. So, um, if if I take that slightly, you know, broader definition of profit, I I, I, I would I would lean towards that version of profit. So.
1: Um, I'm, I'm going that direction. Okay. Uh, I think that's all I got on that. What about more
0: mailbag? Well, yeah, if, if, if folks out there have, um, you know, um, I guess a different take on that, you know, let us know. But yeah, so the other mailbag question, um, you know, I'll, I'm going to call this a mailbag question. It came in a face-to-face, I don't want to say confrontation, a face-to-face face, uh, encounter with one of our listeners. Uh, you may know her from episode, I believe, is four or five as uh, Emma, the... Uh, I forget her name. The number. graveyard girl? The graveyard girl, I believe. Yeah, that's correct. Good good, good call. Um, but she um, is asking... You know, she had an issue with our some of our Animal of the Week segments and, you know whether we were presenting good science on those and i guess the question if i had to boil it down would be do you guys take any personal responsibility in um conveying you know accurate and enlightening information about about animals um i I guess she had you know just taking us to task with it maybe um we weren't putting good information out there so I don't know, Omar. Do you feel like you know? Are, are do you take you know personal responsibility with what we were put out there about animals and uh, yeah? So I don't know. What do you think?
1: Let me let me ask you this because this is just hearsay. I didn't hear this directly from Emma. Did did she point out anything specifically we said that was inaccurate?
0: Yeah, I think about birds. We were talking about the the chambers how many chambers of the heart that birds have versus humans and um i I, you know i think i i might have said like you know i was reading off of wikipedia and i said oh birds have x number of uh chambers in their heart and i was like and you might have asked like oh like well how is that different than us and i i might have said that we had
1: two chambers or four chambers and and yeah but i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure you qualified that with you weren't really sure off the top of your head so i don't i don't think that counts as putting out misinformation into the world
0: yeah and maybe we need to have emma back on to you know to talk about apparently her expertise goes beyond graveyards and into the life you know the life of the living um the world of the living um and and you know we can we can dig more into that but yeah i would say that generally you know take our animal of the week as a good jumping off point right like if you go to a wikipedia article you don't take it as the gospel but there's a, it links out to all these great articles um and you know and and judge those sources you know the veracity of those
1: sources, um, as you will. Yeah, don't don't use our podcast to study for your eleventh grade life science class. Uh, it's meant it's meant to spark imagination.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's meant to spark uh, imagination and wonder in the animal kingdom. It's it's the be- it's just the beginning of a of a life of
1: exploration of of uh, of the animal world yeah i will say i'm not an expert on animals or science but i don't just make stuff up like i get it from a legitimate it all comes from legitimate sources yeah we are we're
0: looking at we're looking at some legitimate sources and then but then some questions come up you
1: know you never know like you're you you start to speculate and you wonder right there's there's definitely a in the flow of speculation a back and forth where we're yeah. sort of trying to figure out ex- what we're talking about in response to each other, so there's a little bit of a flow of conversation.
0: And yeah, maybe there's an opportunity to bring in more experts. You know, it, it, you know, especially if we see a lot of them, you know, a lot of interest in our. Seems like the bird episode got a lot of people riled up. You know, not riled, just riled up, but just like, you know, a lot. I heard a lot of buzz about the bird episodes, so and maybe we get. A bird guy or a woman bird woman on here
1: um, and talk about birds more yeah that would be great that would be great if there's any animal experts listening want to come on the pod we'd love to have you oh so as we were recording another mailbag question just popped in do you want to hear it Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm it's kind of directed towards me but we'll both respond Hey, Omar, it's great that you don't have any back problems and don't need a standing desk, but some people, like your co-host, seem like they have some back issues here and there. Just because you don't have back problems doesn't mean other people don't. Have some compassion. Have a little imagination. P.S. The Rock Rock. The Rock Rock? Yeah, I don't know. People can choose their own name. Like R-O-C-K? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, look, I wasn't like lobbying the state legislature to disallow standing desks. If you want to stand at your desk, if you want to dance at your desk, if you want to walk, have a walking desk, that's fine by me. I'm just saying that from my experience, the people would insist upon walking desks a little bit more likely to be the types to have a hard time being satisfied with their lot. That's all I'm saying. But again, I don't claim to be an expert on standing versus sitting and health problems. But I've also read a lot of the research that really went into like the standing desk crave, what couldn't really be replicated by subsequent research. And I think you know media does have an effect on people and stuff like that. But that being said, if you wanna stand at your desk, You know, I'm not going to your human resources department trying to stop it. I just find the thing a little bit funny. That's all. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to stay out of that one. I think that's between you (laughs) and the fans, you know? Between me and Rock Rock. Yeah. All
0: right. Let's close up the mailbag there and get to some some topics. Um, So I think you had a, a good topic to start with around, wait.
1: This is a new feature, right? A new feature. It's called stories told by other people, but now told by us. All right, so the first one comes from a book I true story, but it's from a nonfiction book I read called Parental Advisory Warning, Parental Advisory Warning, One, Two, Three, Four, One, Two, Three, Four, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson. So he uses a lot of real life examples to illustrate his stories. And my favorite one from this book is the story of Hiro Anoda who was a Japanese Lieutenant stationed in the Philippine island of Lubang in World War II. So what's so amazing about him is World War II ended around like 1945, but he kept on fighting World War II until 1972. How did that happen, you might be wondering. Uh, Well, he was a guerrilla fighter in the jungle and he was told to never surrender. He was told to just keep on trying to slow down the advance of the Americans. And even though the war ended in 1945, he didn't really have any way of knowing that. You know, it wasn't like there was the internet or computers or anything like that in 1945. So he just kept going. They started dropping leaflets, the Americans and Japanese But he didn't believe them. He just assumed they were propaganda. So he and three of his soldiers just kept on going, doing guerrilla attacks, you know, burning fields. In in 1959, uh, locals organized and started fighting back against their attacks. Not that the Philippine government wasn't doing such, but, you know, this definitely intensified things. Uh, So one of his soldiers, was killed and captured in 1969 10 years later you know he's still living off the land surviving in the philippine jungles two more of his soldiers on fight the dust so he's living by himself you know search parties go out for him he still evades them he's still not surrendering but finally, in 1972, an unarmed and untrained adventurer decided he needed to have, find a new adventure, and he decided finding Anoda would be it. So Norio Suzuki, who was, you know, kind of what we'd think of as a hippie, a guy who traveled around, who lived off the land, who hitchhiked, who would volunteer on farms, who would sleep in park benches, just decided he was gonna find Onoda and bring him home to Japan. So he was able to do what the Japanese and Philippine governments couldn't do. Not only did he find him, but he gained his trust. They became friends in the jungle. Onoda finally learned of what was happening in the outside world. He was finally convinced the war was over. So he returns to Japan a celebrity and a hero to some. So you'd think it's So Dennis, you'd think this is like a happy ending here, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But unfortunately, the Japan he returned to wasn't a place he recognized it. He saw it as being too consumerist, too capitalist. And he just didn't have the same sort of energy and meaning that he did when he was out in the Philippine jungle. Uh, He tried to use a celebrity to espouse the old values of Japan, but to no avail. He later remarked that being home in Japan depressed him, that he had more purpose and meaning in the jungle. His heart was so broken, he left the the Japan that he spent 30 years fighting for in the Philippines. So in 1980, he moved to Brazil until his death. So I know I hit just hit you and the listeners with a lot of information, but what hearing all that? What's kind of your reaction? Uh, yeah, so I had heard this
0: before, but I guess it was just the headline of this guy who was you know still fighting World War II, uh, this Japanese soldier lieutenant uh, until like you know the first time I heard that they but like. So, I mean, just hearing the full story there, I guess a couple things, like amazing amount of self-sufficiency to be able to live in the Philippines jungle.
1: Yeah, we, I don't think either of us would survive more than a week. No. Um, and I didn't know, like,
0: the way it was, like, just like kind of the mythology about it was, like, it was just this guy, but he had a troop for a while. Um, and I, I never, you know, never thought about it too hard, but, like, as you are telling us, like, well, what does that mean to be fighting? But he was like, it sounds like he was literally fighting with some of the village, like the uh, village.
1: I think you said it as villagers, villages around there. So, yeah, they, yeah, sneak attacks and also just like yeah, uh, sabotaging and, crops.
0: Yeah, and, he, and they're and they're like, what? I mean, from their perspective, they're like, what is going on here? Yeah. Um, so that was another thing that struck me. Um, And then it came down to a point of just like, it sounded like it was just like just him living self-sufficiently. Yes. It becomes such a a way of, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's it still sounds like such an anomaly of how does that happen and how does he not, you know, but, you know, have contact with any other source of information but, but, yeah, in that situation, he doesn't, and so he could go on that way and thinking and living this very devoted and specific purpose in life um, and then I knew almost knew that when you said that like it wasn't, it didn't end you know when he moved when he found out and moved back to J- Japan that it wouldn't end well, that whatever he was fighting for in the forties was i mean it's unrecognizable by the 70s so that was i I guess that wasn't surprising at all but it's definitely sad and i was like i thought he was gonna i thought the end was gonna be that he maybe committed suicide but he moved to brazil which is pretty random um yeah that's i mean i've like i said i heard that that the headlines from that before but like putting a little bit more of a Uh, personal story to it makes it even
1: I guess more incredible Um, yeah yeah I mean yeah until I you know read Mark Manson's telling of the story you know I like you just heard the headlines of it and didn't really appreciate the depth of it and kind of what I took away from it was obviously there was other stuff going on reasons why he was happier in the jungle than back in Japan but you know, my main takeaway if I was if I was to try to think of a way to apply it to my life, or for the listeners to apply it to their lives, is just the importance of like having purpose. You know, and having having meaning and a goal. And you know, obviously, like we need a certain level of comfort in life. If we're starving to death, we're not going to be happy. But you know, in in his story, you know satisfaction happiness didn't come with comfort it came when he was believed in something and when that belief was extinguished he was kind of lost
0: yeah that i i think you could take that lesson but i think you could also take the opposite as you were saying that i I was thinking the opposite lesson is that don't mistake your actions and doing something for meaningfulness so or or happiness and just you know because he was he was doing something and he was concentrated on this goal but he uh you know i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily mistake that for happiness you know i i think it might be also a lesson for stepping back and saying why exactly am i doing this and i do and, I, and I, am i doing it for the right reasons and you know i don't know that he would have been able to step back and have access information to say that you're fighting a war that's been over for a long time but you know a lot of us may be fighting you know wars or conflicts or you know even internal conflicts that are not you know really useful anymore and so yeah don't mistake
1: action for purpose yeah i mean i think yeah, I think there's two separate issues there. There's you could there's the objective was what he was doing right or just or was it actually accomplishing it, its goal? Like, you know, obviously objectively, his actions weren't gonna do anything to accomplish his goal. But you know, from his own. From his own telling, and yet people can be biased when they're telling their own stories. From his own telling, you know he was happier in the jungle just because he was doing what he believed in. And it's—I think—it's easy to say in retrospect it was foolish, but I i think I can kind of empathize with him in the sense that he didn't really have—I guess he probably did have a way of knowing it, since he was the only one still. Re- resisting in the jungle but i do i do just find it interesting the dichotomy between him finding meaningfulness when he was struggling for something and maybe that thing he was struggling for was hopeless and it was the complete wrong thing to struggle for it would have been better if he was struggling for a winnable or just cause but just looking at it in isolation where you know he was more joyful when he had something he believed in as opposed to and he was in danger, as opposed to when he didn't have something he believed in, and he was in safety. That's all I kind uh, of took away from yeah, it Not I, that.
0: I think it i can, I think it could be both of those things' it's, it's you know talking about it here It's like it's both you know the task as as whether it's what he was doing or like you know the the notion that like any task you should you should focus on. And and find some way to find joy in it is true as well as don't let the tat you know the, the the mundane tasks distract you from like you know smelling the flowers kind of thing. So I think both of those things can be true. So I think it's I think that's why it's probably why the headline of that story you know it resonates with people so much.
1: And then it, as you pull it apart, it becomes more interesting. Right, and when you're when your task is one such as his, it's easier, one such that he had, it's easier for it to be shattered. Right, right. So that's that kind of goes along with what you're saying. Uh, there's the risk, it's a greater risk of being shattered than if it's, you know, something a little bit more based in reality. Right, right. And the, the uh, Norio Suzuki, the guy who found him, He's a really interesting character in himself. Maybe he could be a future subject of this uh news segment. Yeah, I'm not
0: familiar but, is he is he a, a,
1: a is he Japanese or American Japanese? Uh Japanese.
0: Okay. Uh um,
1: yeah, he was uh yeah. we'll we'll save that for another episode. Though. Okay. Um all right, so we sh- should we uh turn to our next topic? Yeah, I'm ready.
0: Okay, so what I wanted to talk about change of pace um is warm weather gear, so you know we're in a we're let's i guess you know um you announced the date at the beginning of the episode it's uh october fifteenth um but we're still i guess we're still within this pandemic um and I don't know what people are dealing with out there, but like you know there's a, a good amount of social distancing that's still happening. Um, you know if if we're being real, I think shit's gonna get worse than before it gets better in terms of um, you know uh, the um, the curve of cases. so not to get not to create a bummer, but like the reality is like I think there's gonna be still if you want to go out into the world. Uh, the way that we've been doing it here in Philadelphia is there's been a lot of, um, you know, outdoor dining, outdoor uh, drinking, out, you know, um, that kind of thing. So I've been thinking a lot about, and it, it, you know, you want to walk the dog. You want to go talk to your neighbor. You don't have to just be drinking. You can be, be carving pumpkins. You can be doing whatever. Um, but what I've been thinking a lot about is like, how can you still be comfortable outside? In the cold weather, you know, into the, the 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 later the 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 back half of the uh, calendar. So that's what I wanted to explore a bit. How does that sound?
1: I'm ready to go. I I want to stay warm and continue to socialize as much as possible. You know, there will there'll be these random warm days, I'm sure, in November and December, but there will probably be few and far between. So it'd be nice to have some strategies to stay warmer.
0: Yeah. And, and, um, you know, depending on your, you know, where you fall on the latitude, um, you know, you know, in Philadelphia we don't experience the worst winters, but it just stays generally cold for quite a while um, between, you know, November and end of February and into March. Yeah, so I was thinking about this, and I, I, I'm going to start from the ground up. I want to tell people, not tell people. I want to suggest some ideas about staying warm. Um, so you, mostly, so you can drink outside, but also do other things like walk dogs and carve pumpkins. Um, you know, so so I'm going to start with just some some baseline ideas. And um, one is you have to wear moisture wicking and breathable materials. So that means like stuff, like a lot of the compression gear that they have these days, uh, like Under Armour and everybody else creates uh, that, that pulls the moisture away from your skin. Because the thing that makes you cold is the moisture, the water gets cold and then you get cold and then your blood gets cold and then you get
1: sick and die. Uh, and that's that's irrelevant as to whether it's raining or not we're talking about like sweat and moisture yeah i mean
0: well yeah we're talking about
1: um yeah because the thing is
0: like whether you're going running or you're going to be putting a lot of layers on is eventually you're going to get hot your body's going to get hot and you're going to perspire and you want that perspiration to not lay on your skin you want it to you know, like you want it to be um, wicking, which means it pulls it away from your skin so you, you stay warm. Um, yeah, so that's, that's the fundamental idea. It, same thing, it kind of still works if it, it's raining, but like if it's cold and it's raining, maybe you just go inside, you know. Um, the other thing is layers, you know. You got to make sure you layer and why do why layers work? Because it creates a cushion of air. So layers are better like a bunch of layers is better than um, you know just one big thick coat for a couple of reasons. One is that you can, you can adjust and be agile and like what, what you're wearing. And so if it's cold, you know, you're put it on a couple of layers, and if it gets warmer, you pull off a couple, and so you have like a little bit more um, you know, ability to, to like adjust to the, the temperature. But the other thing is that it creates a cushion of air. In between each layer is air and air is good because air doesn't conduct um heat it doesn't contact uh yeah it could conduct heat so or cold so if you have that cushion of air same reason why you have um you know insulation in your house it holds a lot of air in it and it
1: makes sure that it doesn't conduct um cold air into your house same way as if- so to so to some extent we need a little bit of space between our layers, they shouldn't be like flat on top of each other. Right, it should just be
0: loose and and yeah, have some space in between those layers.
1: So I've if, I've got one. Yeah, I don't I don't. Uh, what what about just grow your hair out? You know, uh, if you're comfortable growing a beard does that help or does or does that cause issues with more moisture getting stuck in your hair i don't know
0: i mean i think that um i think a beard can help my face doesn't generally get cold so it's kind of like you know doesn't do a lot for me i on my head though i do as soon as i get a haircut as and it's like in the fall or winter i always put a a winter hat on because my head gets cold very easily and basically, once the temperature falls below 50 degrees outside, I wear a, uh, like a net cap to bed every night. Um, and I feel like that's getting a little, because that's what we're talking about, in, you know, we're trying to talk about outside stuff. But, but yeah, just generally, um, sure, grow your hair out, but,
1: um, but gear is more important than hair. Um, yeah, I've I've always found covering my ears to be pretty important.
0: Yeah, so 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 the, the two fundamentals are like make sure you you or two fundamentals so far is make sure you wick the moisture away and you have layers to create that cushion of air. And the third thing is you got to protect the extremities, so your arms and legs and your head. So let's start with the the feet first, right? so makes you you just need to apply all those principles to your to your extremities so make sure that you're wearing socks not cotton socks not wool socks you got to have like some um you know some of the uh, compression socks that wick away um the moisture um game changer for me was like 5 or 6 years ago i i i, I uh, put on some uh really good compression socks that uh our our listener, Mr. Brower, um left in my hotel room. And ever since then I've been hooked on compression socks. I try to wear I wear them like basically every day. Um, and so that so if you're gonna go out in the cold and drink and have food and whatever, you gotta wear compression socks and wick away that moisture. And then, you know, wear a good shoe, you know, maybe not wear like, you know, running sneakers where like either a, a thick-soled um, sneaker or a boot. Um, then you look at your legs. I would recommend uh, some sort of, um, you know, I, I have like stuff that I wear for running, like, uh, compression leggings for lack of a better term. Um, and I used to wear those when I used to ride my bike to work in like 30 degree weather. Um, so if you combine like 30 degree weather with, a 10 mile an hour wind and the 10 mile an hour wind of you riding and you know, I used to be able to stay warm wearing those, then that should be good for you to, you know, have a meal
1: outside in the cold weather. Okay. What yeah. what is the most layers? What's the most layered you've ever been?
0: Um well I think as a as a kid I think I mostly got this wrong and would wear too many layers because I was wearing the wrong kinds of layers. So it matters what you put against your skin. So I don't know the most layers. I think when I was a kid, I probably had three layers of socks, but it's the wrong way to go because it was it was too tight and therefore not having those that cushion of air that we talked about. And the you know it was probably cotton which is like as soon as you perspire it just soaks up all that well, moisture and then lays against your skin and your feet freeze so i would say three to four layers like plus plastic bags were involved when i was younger uh what was the most you were ever layer
1: i'd have to say two not ca- not counting like a jacket maybe a t-shirt Well, I guess it depends how we're defining layers. I'm thinking of, like, layers as in extra on top of what you would normally wear. So, like, a T-shirt, a sweatshirt, maybe a hoodie, and then, like, the normal jacket. So, like, like one – and that's kind of, like, one extra thing, I think. And then I don't think I ever wore more than one pair of pants before i just don't know if i had you like pants that would fit over each other like that well you don't wear two pairs of jeans to be clear right not two. yeah you can't wear two pairs, <laughs> so, i don't think i ever had like those t- like a long spandex or whatever you would put on yeah let's not call underneath. it spandex i think that's uh diminutive um let's call
0: them their compression pants. I wear them when I run so I can run outside in like, you know, 30 degree weather, 40 degree weather. Um, so yeah, like that's what I would wear. I would wear them and put them underneath my jeans or even slacks or whatever and go to and ride my bike to work and mostly be okay to, to wear, you know, I get a little warm sometimes if the heat got up in the, in the office. But, um, because, the, you know, the nature of them is if you're not moving around, um, you know, you're not going to be sweating too much. But that's like, it's a game changer if you've never done that and then you want to hang out outside because, you know, especially if you're wearing slightly loose pants, there's a lot of, you know, the air can creep up underneath, you know, through your ankles and whatnot. Um, so I think that, you know, that is a that's a that's a good way to go. Um, all right. So the same thing applies for like your, your torso area, um, you know, some sort of compression shirt. Um, and that's like, yeah, how many layers I'd wear. If I was going like, like snowboarding, I would wear compression long sleeve shirt. And then I would probably have a t shirt on. And then maybe if it was really cold, I'd wear a hoodie and then a jacket. But like, um, if you're hanging outside, you shouldn't need, you know, you're not going to be out in that frigid of weather. Um, you should be able to get away with, you know, long sleeve compression shirt and, um, you know, maybe a, a flannel or, a, a, a you know, a, a long sleeve normal shirt and then your jacket, whatever jacket you think is appropriate. Um, this big thing. So, you know, wear a winter hat. I always cover your head. That's where you lose a lot of heat. I don't know how true that is, but. Uh, I always feel like it's good to keep your head warm. But the thing that's always, that is keeping me up at night is finding the right glove. I just don't think there's a good glove for day-to-day activities to wear outside in
1: cool weather. Do you have any Yeah, it's really, it's really hard to hold or do anything with your fingers with gloves on.
0: Yeah, that's what I've been trying to, I spent a lot of time researching this. Um, I had some really good, so like, again, I was riding my bike to work, and so you need pretty good um, dexterity to, you know, hold the handlebars, so you need a good grip, um, but you need a good grip, but not sacrificing, you know, keeping your finger, your knuckles warm, and I had some good ones, which I think were like for um, snowmobiling, um, but um, I've never been able to buy those gloves again. So I was trying to research on the internet what are good gloves to wear so that you could like eat a meal outside and have a beer and like just function outside, keeping your hands warm, but yet still having dexterity. And the only gloves, so these are the gloves I've come up with. Motocross, motocross gloves for cold weather. Um, Batting gloves for like for baseball, batting gloves for cold weather. Um, there's also like running gloves for cold weather. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any others, but still... have you tried? Have you tried eating outdoors with any of these? Not yet, because I, I started googling um, tailgating gloves, and most of them are like really stupid. Where like you can, it's like a beer koozie connected to a glove. I, I think there's a good business opportunity here to. You know, find the right, you know, tail tailgate. It's because it's like tailgating. It's cold for like football weather, um, but like good cold weather beer drinking gloves. Is, it could be a good business opportunity.
1: Yeah, I'm just picturing in my head people eating, drinking outside in the cold weather, with like everything else seems like plausible, like. You get layered enough, you're in something that's enclosed on two sides, maybe there's like a heat lamp out, but I'm, I'm having, I do think you've hit the nail on the head of what the biggest challenge is, is being able to use like a fork and a knife or even just your hands to eat something outdoors.
0: Yeah, and I don't know that me. Yeah, I think you'd probably take off your gloves while you maybe use your silverware, but you know, just but just generally, you know, you want to use your cell phone, you want to you know, uh grab a beer, you want to do certain things and there's not, you know, I think, you know, that there needs to be a perfect glove for for doing all those things in the in the cold weather.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's gonna be an interesting it's gonna be an interesting winter, probably the most interesting winter you've ever lived through. But.
0: Well, I'll continue to do my research um and I'll share my results uh, in the next episode.
1: Sounds good, sounds good,
0: Oh yeah, one last thing just you gotta move around you know, when it's cold out, you know you gotta stand up, move around, pat your hands.
1: Pat your head. All right, that's all I got. <laughs> well, I think we learned. I think we learned a lot about staying warm and
0: yeah. All right. Well, uh, apparently we've said the uh, mailbag uh, wrong the past couple episodes. So, Omar, do you know the name of the mailbag? Do I know the name of the mailbag? Well, the it's... the the Gmail address.
1: Oh. Yes, I do know the name of the mail bag's email address. It is plasticcups inside papercups at gmail.com. No spaces, no dashes, no dots, just plastic cups inside paper cups at gmail.com. Please send us your emails. Leave us a review on iTunes. Get in contact with us on Facebook or Twitter. We'd love to hear from you.
0: Yes, please do. And looking forward to an interesting and season-changing
1: series of the podcast in the autumn. There's a lot coming. we got a lot of great program coming up in the fall. All right. I think that wraps up episode 17. Thanks again for listening to everybody. Thanks. Bye. Peace out.